some time ago, I saw an uh, independent uh, film, British film, uh, called Millions. And it's the uh, story of a nine-year-old named Damien, uh, who lives with his older brother, Anthony, 12 years old, and his dad, who is a, now a widower because Damien's uh, mother has uh, just died. And one day, while playing uh, near the railroad tracks that go through the middle of his uh, city, Damien finds this duffel bag, and the duffel bag is filled, chock-filled, with cash. And uh, Damien brings the duffel bag home and uh, confides only in one other person, uh, Anthony, that uh, 12-year-old uh, brother. And together, uh, the two brothers count the cash, and it's the British equivalent of a million dollars. And uh, the rest of the movie is kind of a lighthearted evaluation of the reactions of these two boys to uh, the same event, uh, having their millions. And uh, Anthony, the older brother, is kind of a materialist, and so he starts uh, making plans about how he's going to spend this money and how he's going to invest this money so he can have more money to spend more money. Uh, Damien, however, sees this money as a gift from God, and uh, that he can use this money to help people, especially the poor. And so he comes up with a nine-year-old plan uh, for uh, helping the poor, which is going up to people in his neighborhood and asking them, are you poor? And, uh, and so you had these uh, interactions where one neighbor will say, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of poor. I don't have a microwave or a dishwasher. And so that night, uh, Damien stuffs his mailbox full of cash. Well, eventually, uh, Damien finds some really poor people in his uh, town, and he's able to take these homeless folks out for all-you-can-eat meals and helps them uh, purchase stuff that they need. And the emphasis of the film is how uh, Damien's life-giving generosity not only gives him new friends on a human level, but also builds his relationship with God, uh, who answers his deepest prayer in life, which is for closure with his deceased mom. Well, without giving away the story, uh, the boys don't get to keep the cash. Uh, but even though uh, the two brothers uh, both have to give the cash back, the experience has a different effect on these two guys. Because Anthony sees this money as something to hold on to, he receives really nothing out of the experience. But uh, Damien, however, sees the money as an opportunity to be a life giver and therefore gets these life-giving new friendships and a relationship with God who answers his biggest prayer in life. And the message of the film is actually similar to the paradoxical truth that Jesus taught 2,000 years before. In Matthew chapter 10, uh, verse 39, Jesus says, whoever seeks his own life will lose it, but whoever gives up his life for my sake will find it. This is a paradox. You know, there are two different language uh, concepts that people get confused, uh, oxymorons and paradoxes. Uh, you know what an oxymoron is? An oxymoron is two words that are opposite, kind of mutually exclusive, that are stuck together. For instance, an oxymoron is a giant midget or a jumbo shrimp. 
an oxymoron. It's just two words that are kind of opposite or like kosher ham and uh, country music. That's, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, really, really, that much reaction to, you know, I, I should, I, uh, you know, I understand people who listen to country music have problems, lots of, lots of problems, problems with the truck, problems with the dog, the ex-wives, you know, I understand, so, I, no, I love, I love country music, really, I really do. Um, oxymorons, some people say congressional ethics, oxymoron, or uh, good morning, you get the idea, so, uh, that's an oxymoron. A paradox, however, is a truth that is the opposite of conventional wisdom. So conventional wisdom is that if I want the good life, I need to get money and possessions. But Jesus taught the opposite of conventional wisdom. Jesus taught the paradoxical truth that to get the good life, I need to become a giver. In the words of Matthew 10, uh, Jesus calls me to become a life receiver by being a life giver. This is a paradox, and it is so true in every area of life. You know it's true when it comes to relationships. If you want to have loving relationships, the way to have loving relationships is not to get people to love you. It is to be a love giver. This is true when it comes to physical health. Uh, it's well demonstrated that people who have the most longevity are people who give of themselves to other people. Uh, this is true of happiness. You know, the, the way to true joy in life is not focusing on yourself and selfishness. The real secret to joy is giving joy to other people. Jesus teaches this paradoxical truth that I become a life receiver when I become a life giver. And the area that Jesus most applies this truth is my finances. And you might say, I, you know, I get it. I, I know the Bible talks about how we should be giving a portion of our income to God's work, but Jesus really in the Gospels is not passionate about this, right? Well, yeah, he is. So uh, let's, let's study just one example of this in the Gospels, Mark chapter 12, uh, beginning with verse 41. We're told Jesus sat down opposite the place where the offerings were put and watched the crowd putting their money into the temple treasury. Many rich people threw in large amounts, but a poor widow came and put in two very small copper coins worth only a few cents. Calling his disciples to him, Jesus said, truly, truly, I tell you that this poor widow has put more into the treasury than all the others. They gave out of their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, put in everything, all that she had to live on. So Jesus gets pretty emotional about this topic of being a life giver. And so Jesus celebrates this widow because she is a life giver. And then he, he uses this as an opportunity to teach his people. Well, guess what? Jesus wants to do the same thing today. Uh, you know, I've been listening to what Jesus would like to say uh, in my time to share with you today, and I sense that Jesus is saying, you have some awesome, awesome life givers at BlackRock, and I would love to celebrate them. And so that's what Jesus would like to do today. He'd like to celebrate those of you who here at BlackRock are life givers now, 
and those who will become life givers because you hear Jesus talking to you today. Every week, great thing, every week here at BlackRock, we have people who are coming who are new followers of Jesus. And this may be you. It may be you that, that you've come to know Jesus in this place here at BlackRock. And so maybe you've never heard this truth that I'm going to share with you today. It's the truth that when you become a Christ follower, Jesus gives you the honor of giving financially out of your gratitude to God so that more people can come to Jesus in this church just like you did. Just like Damien received joy by sharing, giving away what he found on the train tracks. God invites you to be a life giver who shares what you found in Jesus. Life, becoming a life giver. So let's go over the biblical truths that guide life givers. The first biblical truth is life givers give to God proportionately. Uh, the life givers that Jesus celebrates here at BlackRock are, uh, are those who don't just give in kind of a random way when they see the offering basket, throw in a few dollars if they feel like it. No, they're, they're single people, they're couples who work a biblical plan to give back to God a portion of what God gives to them in way of income, uh, which is the insight we cannot miss in this account of Jesus sitting by the offering basket to watch people as they gave to God's work. Notice that Jesus really is not evaluating how much people give. No, Jesus is celebrating this widow because of the proportion that she gave out of what she had been given. Jesus celebrates her because of the way she gave out of this proportion of what she's been given. Jesus celebrates what we give to God in proportion to what we've been given. Uh, this is why the scripture uh, has God over and over calling his people to tithe. Uh, tithe is just a biblical term that means 10%. And it goes all the way back to Cain and Abel, uh, like the third page in uh, the Bible, where God calls his people to show him their heart of gratitude by bringing him 10% of what he gives to them. So if uh, they raise sheep, uh, God would tell them to bring the top 10% of their flock to him. Uh, if they raise uh, grain, they were to bring the top, the best 10% of their harvest to him. And they were to give it to God by burning it. And then they were to watch that smoke rise up as their gratitude and worship to God for what he had given to them. So God expresses deep feelings about this. In fact, uh, the Old Testament closes uh, with these words from Malachi chapter 3. Will a mere mortal rob God? And yet you rob me. But you ask, how are we robbing you, God? In tithes and offerings. You're under a curse because you are robbing me. Well, life givers here at BlackRock, they don't give out of a fear of a curse, but they do pick up from these words in Scripture that God is serious about this. God is serious about his people giving him more than lip service. Uh, that God is serious about wanting 
back from his people as a sign that their words of worship and that their songs of praise are coming from more than just their lips. The second guide to uh, life givers is the biblical truth that life givers give to God first. They give proportionally and they give to God first. Uh, when Jesus celebrates this widow uh, for giving all she had, Jesus is celebrating the fact that she gave to God first and then trusted God to provide for her needs. Uh, the widow was following the biblical guideline of first fruits that's described in Proverbs chapter 3. Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim over with new wine. So God teaches this principle of first fruits. And God is very smart. Uh, and so God teaches this principle of first fruits because he knows that practically speaking, this is the only way to, for his people to become life givers. Uh, let me demonstrate how this is the only way, really, uh, by comparing for you the typical mindset on money with the life-giving mindset on money. The typical mindset on money goes like this. First, I spend what I want. Second, I save what I can. And then third, I give what's maybe left over. Uh, so that's, that's the thinking. That's the typical thinking. First, I spend what I want, then I maybe save something, and then after my spending and saving, then maybe I'll give. Guess what? It doesn't work. There's, I will never be a life giver by giving leftovers. Why? Because my paycheck is gone by the time I'm done with my spending and saving. To grow in gratitude, I must choose God's life-giving mindset, which turns the typical upside down. The life-giving mindset on money is, first I give to God out of gratitude, then I save what I can, and then I spend what's left over. Practically speaking, this mentality is absolutely essential to actually becoming a life-giver. Instead of spend, save, give, it's give, save, spend. Maybe I can't give the full 10% now, but if I will just decide to give a small percentage of my income and give it to God first, it's the first step to growing as a life giver. This is the life story of a life giver, as Nils Anderson shows us. So I've been coming to BlackRock for um, just about seven years. Um, graduated from college in 2010 um, and started regularly attending with my girlfriend at the time, um, Brianna, who um, I ended up marrying two years later. We bought a house in Stratford in the Paradise Green area. Within two months of moving in, we looked at each other, wrote down all of our finances on a piece of paper, all of our our income minus all of our expenses. We were in debt from, from our mortgage, from uh, we had a few leases, uh, car leases that we had. We had a whole bunch of student loans, um, minor credit card debt. Then we looked at each other and we said, we can't afford this house. That was the, uh, the, the point where we really buckled down with our finances and, and decided that, that we were gonna go God's way and it wasn't gonna be our way anymore. We started the Financial Peace University courses on our own. Financial Peace University uh, definitely 
helped us um, form a, the basics around our finances. And it gives you an idea of, of really how to, to go after debt and really how to go after um, really living for God in, your, in the area of your finances. It really started to help us realize that, that God is the first person that should be getting our, our money. Uh, we really looked at all of our payments, including tithing, as just an extra monthly payment. And it was probably one of the last things that we would uh, pay at the month, at the end of the month. So then we started giving uh, every month, and it was the, the first thing that we, that we gave. It's the, the first line item on our budget um, was, was tithing. And when I think back to beginning of 2015, we had uh, a six-month-old Emma. And um, you know, it, it really haunted us to, to think about what we were doing for her life. Fast forward two years later, a hard two years later, and um, you know, now we're, we're, we're able to, to get out of debt, um, be able to faithfully give 10% uh, to, to the church and give it back to God. And I think we all can look at the situation that we're in or the circumstances that we're in and, and really feel sorry for ourselves. Um, and uh, that was definitely the spot that we were in. When we saw that um, we couldn't afford our house and, and um, you know, the income that we, were, that we had wasn't more than our expenses, we felt like we made a huge mistake. We felt like uh, you know, that we um, couldn't do simple math to a certain extent, but um, you know, we felt like God to a certain extent had abandoned us. But what we realized um, after our, our, once our first payment was, was out the door, um, and once we were really giving to God first, um, was that it was completely opposite. God was trying to, to work in us, and He knew that He was putting us in a, in a situation that um, was gonna be tough, but um, we were gonna be able to come out the other side and, and um, be strengthened as a couple, strengthened as a family, and be able to, to really set up our are now two and a half year old uh, for success in the future. Yeah, this is what Jesus celebrates. Jesus celebrates uh, life givers who give to God proportionally, give to God uh, first. And one more uh, guide to uh, life givers from the Bible. Life givers become God's blessed life receivers. Uh, this is what God promises when he says in Malachi chapter three, bring the whole tithe, Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing, blessing, blessing that you will not have room enough for it. Well, maybe you're saying, well, does this mean that if I give to God's work financially that God's going to bless me financially? It's possible, but I think it's an example of uh, thinking way too small uh, because we serve an infinite God who has infinite ways to bless life givers so that they can give life, God's life, to others. Uh, and I think, you know, this is the paradoxical truth uh, that we see over and over again, that life givers become life receivers. And I think, when I think of the life givers here at BlackRock, I think of the joy they receive by seeing how God takes their gratitude offering and turns it into changed lives. You know, in the Old Testament, uh, those who were faithful givers had to burn uh, what they had so hard uh, worked for. But we get something much better here in Jesus. In Jesus, we get to 
take our, our gratitude offering and then watch it rise and be reflected in the faces of kids and adults who find new life in Jesus. And I suppose that there are some churches where you could give uh, to God's work and really not see very much. But that is not true if you're paying attention here at Black Rock. Life givers get to see life change in hundreds and hundreds of lives of boys and girls every week here at Black Rock. Life givers can see it happening in our students. Uh, even uh, already, 12 students have given their lives to Jesus over uh, the course of this year alone. Uh, you could see it last week in the, uh, some 40 faces of those who were baptized last Sunday. And every life giver here at Black Rock was filled with joy last Sunday in that baptism time because they could see how their gratitude gifts to God made them part of God's life transformation miracle in this place here at Black Rock. See, Jesus promises this paradoxical truth that when I become a life giver, I become a life receiver. But of course, Jesus not only claims that life givers become life receivers, Jesus proves it. Jesus is the ultimate life giver. Jesus came to give himself, his life, on the cross for you, for me. And then Jesus gets it back and not only on Easter, but he gets it back times infinity, times eternity, as each of us, one by one, find eternal life through the life-giving of Jesus. So, let's now turn to our life-giver, Jesus, and let's celebrate him together, the ultimate life-giver, through the bread and the cup of communion. We want to thank you for watching and listening to our sermons online, and we hope that uh, you will be inspired to live more like Jesus through these. Please check out blackrock.org for more information about our church. Know that you can subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, and also uh, know that you can give uh, to BlackRock and to our ministry through PushPay, through our mobile app, and on our website. Your uh, donations and your support of our ministry allows us to have uh, these videos online and for us to impact our community.